The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Let me tell you who's doing sneakers the best in the game right now. That's New Balance. The two-way V4, featuring this groundbreaking use of technology with fresh foam. It's called Fuel Cell, creating this combination that we love of rebound and cushioning. Fresh Foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort your entire game from start to finish. The upper construction features this lightweight textile that reduces weight, which we all need, I know I do, while remaining supportive and breathable. Hard to find that combo. The two-way V4 gives you the tools that you need to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way V4 at newbalance.com. You're tuned in to Heat Check with Trista Crick. On this episode of the Heat Check, it's here, baby. The NBA season popped off last night with a pair of games that were absolutely electric. Neither one, for different reasons, did not disappoint. We will be breaking down both games as well as covering a little news that's popping around the league. Of course, I talk about Draymond Green's idiotic documentary that he decided to drop right before ring night, just when the team's trying to get over the fact that, I don't know, you punched your fucking teammate in the mouth. Anyway, lots to go over, Nick, so just go ahead and drop that motherfucking beat. We are so back, baby. Oh my God, we are back. And boy, did opening night deliver. As an aside, why the fuck were the Lakers playing on opening night? I tried to tell y'all, and the Sixers, that's fine. But where were the Milwaukee Bucks in all of this? The disrespect to Giannis is getting egregious. The disrespect to Milwaukee is getting egregious. Me? I don't even like the Bucks, and I'm feeling like they should have some sort of cause for concern. A petition, Adam Silver clearly sliding the Bucks, but I digress. I was just so excited to watch Ring Night for Dub Nation, of course. And, and boy, did that ceremony push this game late. Goodness gracious, I'm on the East Coast, and I'm like, yo, can we get this shit started or what? Ugh. I was falling asleep around halftime. But the ring ceremony pitched, pushed tip off around 11 p.m. We had to all wait about what? Seven minutes? Eight minutes? Let's be honest, like one minute? Before the world knew what I already knew and was shouting from the highest rooftops for the last, I don't know, two years now. What are the Lakers doing? What, what are they up to? What is this team? It don't make no damn sense. And the delusional fan base, hate to see it on Twitter. 
kept me from my sleep. I was enjoying the timeline so much. The Twitter fan base for the Lakers is currently in shambles. Shambles at night, shambles first thing in the morning. Reality came crashing hard, folks. It just... I've literally never seen any fan base come to terms that the season was over as fast as this Laker fan base has. It was not even halftime, folks, and they were like, all right, that's enough for me. SpongeBob emoji, I'm going to head out. And for everybody waking up on the East Coast at 9 a.m., people were already cooking the Lakers. Barbecued chicken, just you, you have the East Coast cooking them up on the grill, and then you wake up on the West Coast just in time for those barbecued Laker thighs to just be ready for your plate, to consume them. This team's fucking bad. This team is trash. They won 33 games last year, and I tell you what, they're worse than then. I actually don't hate to say it. They did nothing to improve this team's weaknesses. They can't defend, which they couldn't do last year. Why'd they give up Alex Crusoe? Why? Why'd they give up Kyle Kuzma? Why? Why'd they give up KCP? Why? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Russell Westbrook. I forgot. He was supposed to be the panacea. But they can't defend. They cannot shoot. They cannot score. Those are all of the most integral things for a basketball team to be able to do. But, hey, we had to see it for our own two eyes before we understood what was going on, what time it was. This is not a title contender. This is not a playoff team. Let me say it again. This is not a playoff team. This team won 33 games last year, and I think they might win 31 or 32 this year. Because why? Even with teams trying to tank like Sacramento or Sa- Sa- even with teams trying to tank like, excuse me, San Antonio, not Sacramento, even with teams trying to tank like Utah, you think they're going to try to tank against the Lakers? Fuck no. Everyone hates the Lakers. Anyway, I'm getting too excited. I'm getting ahead of myself. I've got a full-on breakdown of why the Lakers stink. Just hold on a second. Let's talk about ring night for a second. Bowling shirts that I tried to buy on eBay or NBA.com, those are sick. I want that, I want that white and gold bowling shirt. They should wear those all the time. That should be the Warriors warm-up suit the entire year. Just show that you've won. You're the champs. You've got the Larry O on the side of your shirt like, yeah, we're the fucking men right now. Emotions, tears running down. Everyone's there. They're bringing out the director of player finance operations. Who knows who she was, but she got some shine. Adam Silver's there. Peter Gruber is there. All the peeps. Even people who aren't even on rosters are there, like Quindary Witherspoon, showing up in street clothes, getting his popcorn ready, collecting his hardware, you know, sitting down and enjoying the fact that he can only watch basketball. I digress. It was a whole thing. Whole thing. And so I was thinking about it, and I was like, what did Jalen Rose say? Jalen Rose said the fact that the Warriors did not suspend Draymond Green meant that they were soft and that they weren't going to win the title and that things were going to come crashing down. I actually posit this. If the Warriors would have suspended Draymond Green for ring night, that would have been the end. That would have been the end of the chapter of this dynasty. That would have been the thing that broke the, the fabric of this Warriors team down. Because if you stole that moment from Draymond, one of the key pieces of this franchise and dynasty for the last God knows how long, and you took that away 
for good reason, but not a good enough reason enough, right? You can't really move on and heal if a key piece of your team is sitting watching the rest of his brothers, a.k.a. Quindary Witherspoon, get his fucking ring, and Draymond Green has to have his FedEx to him. Sir, no, no, no. We can't have that. That would have been a disaster. So I'm glad they didn't suspend him. But we got to talk about this fucking documentary he produced. What were, we, what were we doing, baby? I love Draymond Green. I'm like the only Draymond Green fan left on earth, I think. He's a good dude. I like him. Has obviously a little anger issues he's sorting through, but I like him. I'm a fan of Draymond. I think he's worthwhile to this team, and keeping him around is very important. But goddamn, that documentary was just so tone deaf. For a guy who knows all about media and how narratives are created and shaped, he was so off to try to put out, what was that? Did you, if you haven't seen it, pause. Pause this podcast, go click, watch the seven minute, come back. If you're back, now you know what I'm talking about. That narrator? Who was that all-state narrator? Welcome to, welcome to Draymond Green's universe. Like, what was that? Like the, the way that it was all dramatic in the back and the, and the front lighting and the ring light and Draymond's eyes, like the whole thing was so, so I hate to say the word because it makes me feel icky, but it was cringe. It was cringe. It was something. First of all, this is what Draymond said by addressing the punch. I never really knew how much it blew up. I was just at home chilling with my children. And then he had the, the B-roll in the biz. That's what we call the video that he puts on top of his audio. And it's him and his kids playing. Oh, cute Draymond. Draymond's a father. Oh, let's all circle around. He's a sweet man. Be serious. Draymond said he was watching the, the tape 15 times. You don't know how much it blew up? Oh. Siri's talking to me. Nobody knows what's going on more than Draymond Green. That is just flat-out bullshit propaganda. And I mean that sincerely, with no shade. Draymond is trying to control the narrative, and he is failing. Everyone has turned against him except for me. Draymond, heat check is a safe space for you to get your feelings out. If you ever want to come on to the, I don't even know if I'm old media or new media, I can't tell. But if you ever want to come on medium media, that's what I am. So sort of nouveau media, come on in. He has friends that would alert him, by the way. Hey, uh, shit's going viral, Draymond. Lay your shit low. Lay low. The filmmakers even made this dramatic account of Draymond Green on a Peloton, probably in his apartment gym or condo gym, with his towels and his weights and a water bottle, like, Draymond Green has no time to waste four days until opening night. And you see him on his... I don't even know if he took the Peloton class. He wasn't sweating that badly. But anyway, why was he away from the team? I don't know, because he punched his fucking teammate in the face. They even said he was exiled. He was exiled, folks. Stop it. I should, they should hire me. I always wonder when people make decisions like, did you guys have anyone who could tell you no, this is not a good idea? Did anybody in the room have any cojones to say, hey, this is going to be worse as a result of you putting this out? 
Also, the whole team's trying to move on. They've said, all of them have said this. Steve Kerr has said this. Draymond, uh, Jordan Poole has said this. Clay has said this. Steph has said this. We're all just trying to move on. We all want to stop thinking about this punch, talking about this punch. We all just want to just get the, our rings, fucking move past this. So what does Draymond Green do? Put out a documentary explaining the whole thing. How he thinks it's actually a good thing that we saw him in his worst moments because there's an upside to that. Draymond Green, no one wants to do this right now. We're trying to watch Steph Curry work on his new dream shake post move, which he executed to perfection. Steph's dream shake, absolutely electric. If you haven't seen that, go Google that. The entire video was a debacle. Jordan Poole, after the game, they asked him, hey, uh, was there any healing that's taking place between you and Draymond? His quote, very telling. We went out there. We had a job to do to win a game. Sounds like it's still fresh. Sounds like the wounds haven't healed. I got bit by a, a Vishla about three days ago on my arm. That wound has healed faster, and I can still see it on my arm right now. That wound has healed faster than Draymond Green and Jordan Poole's wounds. They also played a basketball game, so let's talk about that. It was a game. It was a game. The Warriors put the league on notice. Dub Nation, where are we at? Gold-blooded. The Warriors are going to win it again, folks. I hate to tell people who are not lifelong Dub fans like me, they are going to win it all again. Unfortunately, for the rest of the league, it is scary hours. They put on a clinic, a defensive clinic against a team. Truthfully, that it's not really mattering because they can't score or shoot, but it was... It was something. They swarmed, they switched, they suplexed the Lakers into submission. They sagged off them because they know, let them shoot, let them shoot. These boys can't shoot. They're three feet off the three-point line. They're packing the paint. Offensively, they looked amazing. Um, um, they just felt like they were already in regular season form. None of the rust that we would expect from a team happened. They felt like we had just seen them, won the championship, and then two days later, the season began. For the Lakers, it's just more of the same. It showed two major things. One, announced in big, bold Lakers, big, big, bold letters, excuse me, that the Warriors are going to be, they're going to win it all. They're going to be hard out. You got to come with your best shit. That team should be the West favorites, and they are. This is the best defense in the West, and they showed that. Wiggins was a monster. Looney was the rock in which the defense was built on. Wiseman is di disciplined now on defense. I saw a, a defensive possession with him where he stayed straight up. He was completely locked in. He didn't do anything too crazy. And you know what? Possession over for the Lakers. Out into transition we go, sprinting like thoroughbreds. Steph was out there showing why he is the only player ever to lead the NBA in steals and not make the team first team all defense. And it was sick. And you could say, well, Trista, this is the Lakers. So what does it matter, really? How can we really gauge how good the Warriors' defense really is? You have a point. It was the Lakers. And we will get to that. But now, it's still a team that has shown they have no rust. They showed off all the things that you need to do to win a championship. All the things they did last. Well, yes, it was the Lakers, but they've also just won a title. Hence the ring night. Here's the scary part. I think they're better. 
I think this team is actually better than last year. Moses Moody, didn't see a ton of him, but I think he's going to take a step. James Wiseman looked good. Kaminga looked meh, but I think he'll progress. They have Dante DiVincenzo looked amazing. This second unit is going to be ridiculous. If you hate the Warriors, I guess your only solace is you don't really have one, honestly. Other teams have gotten better, but they've, they're the team to beat. As good as the Warriors were, let's be honest, the thing that was most, most impressive, most exciting, most delicious was how bad the Lakers were, people. It was fucking absolutely priceless. Rob Palinka creating the masterpiece, the Mona Lisa, of how bad can you fuck up one of the greatest player, players in our generation, the greatest player since Michael Jordan. How bad can you fuck up his legacy if you tried? Like, it's pretty bad. It's really bad. This is a Titanic. And it's already started to sink, but somehow everybody's just still playing the banjo. Fingerprints all over this thing, and yet, 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 he gets an extension in this offseason after the offseason that he had, which was pretty much signing Patrick Beverly or trading for Patrick Beverly. I don't even recall what the terms were, but it's terrible. The Lakers are so much worse. Mm. And you know what? I love it but by a far margin. The thing that makes me sad is that LeBron James is getting wasted. Even healthy-ish, this team is getting their doors blown off by any good team in the NBA. They signed a bunch of youngsters after signing every player 35 and older. Palinka's bold off-season decision, all the 35-year-olds that we hated like Carmelo Anthony, let's replace them with undrafted rookies like Scottie Pippen Jr., Austin Reeves. Let's add Patrick Beverly into the mix for some, you know, just like a little, little spicy. Just put a little spicy on top of these rookies. Kendrick Nunn, he's back healthy again. So now we can really evaluate these Lakers. Guys, like what did you expect to happen? I, I don't know. Westbrook came off the bench for the first time in his career in the preseason. He ends up getting the start tonight, and yet that didn't make no sense. It was Russell Westbrook. Patrick Beverly, Lonnie Walker, Braun at the four, and AD at the five. And then, of course, he's nursing a hamstring injury, Russell Westbrook, and says to the world with a dead straight face that Darvin Ham's decision to bring him off the bench in the last preseason game probably is what hurt his hamstring. That is absolute lunacy. If you're hoping, though, that the Lakers are getting a reprieve after this. I don't know, like, play the Pistons or the Thunder or the Spurs or the Utah Jazz. Like, who do they get next? Checks notes. Oh, a Clippers. Clippers next, where their wings, Lonnie Walker and Austin Reeves, that is their wings, I just hate to tell you, they're going to be saddled with the task of trying to defend Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. That is going to be a bloodbath. Shooting-wise in this game, one for ten from three in the first half. Is that bad? I feel like that's bad. Some way, though, ageless LeBron James kept them within ten. And then the third quarter. That was the one that was really telling for me. Wheels, of course, fall off, as we would might expect. The inevitable occurs. The Warriors outscore the Lakers by 20. 
by 20. 32-12, and before you know it, LeBron James has on his hands a full-on fire. Looks at his head, puts his hands on it, staring up at a 27-point deficit. They were 2 for 20 from 3. This team sucks. At one point, they were 2 for 20. That's probably what they'll shoot moving forward. Maybe 3 for 20. Good job. When asked about it after the game, LeBron James said this. I think we're getting great looks, I think. Um, but it also could be teams giving us great looks. I mean, if you be completely honest, we're not a team that's constructed of, of great shooting. And that's just the, the truth of the matter is. It's not like, you know, we're sitting here with uh, a lot of lasers on our team. So, you know, but that doesn't deter us from still trying to get great shots. And when we get those opportunities, you take them. But we're not sitting here with a bunch of 40-plus career three-point shooting guys. I mean, it, just, it looked like a football team, you know, if, like, you know, if you had a football analogy and you had a bunch of guys that was underneath route runners and you wonder why the quarterback is not throwing 20-plus uh, you know, passes down the field, okay, you know, that's, that's how the team was constructed. So that don't mean you can't win. Brady did it. You can't win like that, actually. No, LeBron. Maybe in football you can win with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, but you're sitting here with uh, checks notes, Rob Palinka and a first-time head coach in Darvin Ham. I'm sorry, in a league driven by threes, if you don't have snipers, if you don't have lasers, as you called it, no, you can't win games. Also, just the amount of passive aggressiveness towards this roster construction is amazing. I can't wait. I think I'm going to set alarms. Little, hey, Siri, let me know when LeBron James goes and gives another press conference. I am not shocked that this team is bad. But why I, what I am shocked about is that not enough people are asking why Palenka got an extension. Like, he is responsible for this dumpster fire. First, he replaced 75% of a roster that no one wanted last year with a bunch of players that no one wants this year. How bad was last year's roster? Oh, I don't know. There are currently nine players, nine, count them, nine players who were on the Laker roster last year who have yet to have a team right now. That is absurd. Might I remind you, the season has started. It is now in motion. Look at this year's team. We have guys like Wenyan Gabriel, and he actually played solid. Five, six minutes last night, Wenyan Gabriel got. It's not rocket science, folks. If Wenyan Gabriel is getting real minutes on your team, you've got problems. You've got a guy named Matt Ryan on your team, and I'm not talking about the Wash Colt. I'm talking about a guy that even Celtics fans forgot about, and he was a Celtic. You've got Scottie Pippen Jr., who's a nice player, fine young player. He's not getting you anywhere. you got Cole Swider. Is it Swider or Switter? I think it's Swider. But the fact that I don't know his last name tells you everything you need to know, right? This isn't like knowing Ben Matherin. If you don't know his last name, I don't know what to tell you. And secondly, how are people not outraged that Rob Palinka is literally destroying LeBron James's career? Le the last part of LeBron's career, he has been just on the brink he hasn't made the playoffs now, what, three out of the five years that LeBron James has played? Okay, so you won a title once. 
You missed the playoffs your first year. You missed last year. You're not going to make it this year. And what, you were a play-in team and somehow snuck your way into playing the Phoenix Suns and losing in the first round in 2021. That is a disaster. We could legitimately see a scenario, and we'll talk about this more. We could legitimately see a scenario where LeBron James never makes it to the playoffs again in his career. Think about that. After everything that he did for Cleveland with that dog shit roster, and then the, the sort of reign that he had in Miami, then what he did in Cleveland again, to then go to L.A. Man, the sun in L.A. will get you forgetting everything about your life. The sun in L.A. will get you figuring, like, ambition doesn't matter anymore. Like, strive for greatness? What? I'm striving for vitamin D, baby. I don't need to go to the playoffs. Like, I am a multi-billionaire. This is absolutely insane. LeBron is a time machine, and I really mean it. He wore the homage to his draft day white suit and made it look better than it did two decades ago. Oh, my God. He was the best player on the floor last night against the defending NBA champions, and he's not even going to go to the playoffs. They might not even be a play-in team this year. Think about that. And why is Rob Palinka extended? Why is his job security on lock? Braun deserves better than this. Man, they don't have any first-round draft picks because of the AD trade. And much like the Puff Daddy tour of 1998, there is no way out, folks. There is no way out. Moving on, because I could do this all day, talk about the Lakers and how sad it is. Let's talk about the Sixers and, and the Celtics because that game was elite. Like the Product on the floor, elite. The Sixers and the Celtics squared off in what was Joe Missoula's first game coaching since Ime got deep-sixed. The game was phenomenal. Both teams showing at points why people are tapping them to lead the East. Who is going to get the most regular seasons wins? I was very shocked how good the Celtics looked, and at times I was like, okay, I get why they're still considered the best team in all of basketball from Las Vegas' perspective. Here's the good starting in Boston. The team didn't look like they missed a beat. Woo! The fact, despite the fact that Ime Udoka got shit-canned, let's be honest, he's not coming back. Before the preseason started, Jason Tatum looks like he's on a mission, declaring to the athletic that his sole goal is to win a championship. Then he goes out, puts up 70 fantasy points, 35 points real life in opening night. Blocks, steals, transition buckets, tough and ones, tough lays, jump shot after jump shot. And here's what should send shivers down the spine of other teams. Even without Rob Williams, their best defensive player, this team played really good defense against Joel Embiid and a very potent offense team called the Sixers. Looked off it. Like, just looked awesome for long stretches. They have swarming, deflecting passes. They can switch everything on defense still. They're very long. They can disrupt a very good Sixers team that makes tough shot after tough shot. And I think we can expect this defensive intensity moving forward. But to me, where it was very exciting was the offense, especially when your point guard is Marcus Smart. Boston shot 50% in their first half then came out of the break and shot 57% in the second half to take a tight game and make it a very comfortable win. 
the thing that impresses me the most, this team doesn't have Danilo Gallinari for the year. This team is missing Rob Williams. They've got issues, and they still look pretty deep. They can run out a second unit that can put the ball in the hole unlike last year. I like Malcolm Brogdon if he can stay healthy. He needs some seasoning, but with Tatum making a big leap forward, Brown being underrated, you can kind of flex him in and out with the second unit. I think this team can score with just about anybody. And with a very long, stingy defense when Rob Williams comes back, my lord, they don't seem to care about Ime Udoka's suspension. They look very, very good. Philly's very good too, just not as good as Boston. That's pretty much it. I don't know how that changes. The good for the Sixers was the offense, really. James Harden looks good, very good. He put on a masterpiece. He looked like Houston Harden again. Big nights from big, big game James. He is going to be aggressive all year long. The assists will come, of course, but he's going to score 30 again, and that's exciting for Sixers fans. He's aggressive, he looks lean, he's shooting the lights out, he's getting the free throw line, vintage James Harden. Embiid looked like he was in midseason form. I'm not talking about him falling on every possession. I'm just talking about him consistently being that guy. Double-digit rebounds, double-digit points, being able to do whatever he wants on the floor. So there was a lot to like about Philly's offense, which cooked an elite Boston defense. But defensively, they've got a lot that is leaving to be desired. Philly is just something else defensively. And if P.J. Tucker can't defend, because he looks like he's a bit, I don't want to say washed, but he looks like a bit like some is lost on his step. They took advantage of the Sixers, the Celtics did. They shot over 50% from the field for the entire game. The Celtics put up 127 points on the Sixers. And a lot of it, you have to say, is on P.J. Tucker, who I love. He cannot be expected to be the type of perimeter defender that Ben Simmons was. And Avi Wolfman Arendt, I think that's how you say it. He said it best on Twitter. This game was begging for a switchable center to take the Celtics out of their rhythm. Sixers have two options on the roster. Neither played a minute at the five. That can't happen in the playoffs. This is going to be a very good regular season team. How good they're going to be in the playoffs, I think that depends. Do they have to face the six? Do they have to face the Celtics? Do they have to face, I don't know, a team like the Bucks? We'll have to see. They were getting absolutely cooked. And it was a great game. The scary thing about the Celtics is they were getting cooked by the Sixers. And you look up, and a lead that was four turns out to be 20. And you don't know how it's happening because James Harden just put up six quick buckets, and somehow the lead got extended. That's what they're going to do this year, folks. Four-point leads will turn into 20-point leads before you know it because that's what happens when you have a team that can put their clamps on whenever they want. you got guys like Tatum and Brown who can get out in the block, they can block you. They can get out into the transition. They can make tough lays. There's also a little tussle. I don't know if you guys saw this, between Embiid and Marcus Smart. Embiid grabbed Marcus Smart's arm. The two fell to the ground. And then Smart uh, grabbed Joel Embiid's leg. Joel Embiid flops to the ground like he was playing, you know, for his favorite team, Man U. Smart was not happy. After the game, though, Marcus Smart said publicly, I could have cracked his head open if I wanted to. What does that mean? That, I mean, that feels like something that would receive a you know, Marcus Smart documentary after and just a four-day exile. 
I think there's a real deal rivalry brewing here, though, between Marcus Smart and Joel Embiid, things I would love to see. So, yeah, opening night, massive success. Both games delivered for different reasons. We'll get into a ton of, le- of news from around the league tomorrow, but I do want to cover just a couple of quick stories. One, Grant Williams absolutely balled last night after not getting his contract extension from the Celtics. He went 5 for 5 for 15 points in just 24 minutes. He was not offered the rookie-scale contract extension, which is a little odd considering that he was a pretty important piece for the Celtics last year. Other players who were not extended by their teams include, you'll probably guess some of these, Kobe White, number 7th pick in the 2019 draft, Jackson Hayes, the number 8 pick in the 2019 draft, Rui Hachimura, number 9 pick in the 2019 draft, Cam Reddish, the number 10 pick. I mean, we're starting to get, we're starting to get a little bit of a pattern, are we not? 10 pick in 2019, Cam Johnson, the 11th pick in 2019, P.J. Washington, the, 20, the 12th pick in the 2019 draft, Matisse Thibel, number 20 in the 2019 draft. Holy shit, number 7 through number 12, what a disaster. All of these teams are feeling like maybe we made the wrong decisions. A lot of good players, young good players on that list. I'll put up a TikTok asking who surprised you the most on this list. But also, moving forward, a little news out of TNT. Good news in terms of extensions. Charles Barkley looks like he's going to get extension. He's going to get paid 10 years, $100 million. No more talk about him leaving the Live Tour. Thought it was hilarious, though. He came on and said, pretty sure I'm not going to fulfill the entire length of that contract. Like, I don't think I'm putting in 10 more years. That's exciting, very fun. They've got me locked down. I can't do anything else. But I don't think I'm going to stay another 10. He's old as fuck. Love him. Wish he does stay another 10. And greed does lead the way. Charles Barkley takes every opportunity that he can get if they pay enough. So we'll have to see. I love Chuck Barkley being involved in TNT for the foreseeable future. This is good stuff. This is good stuff. Keeping the band together is important. So hats off to Ernie and Shaq and Kenny and Chuck for all getting the bag, continuing to have the best product in the NBA in terms of a show. But we got to go. That is all the time that we have for the Heat Check. We'll be back tomorrow with a new episode where we recap the opener and more news, ton of teams, as well as getting deep into this tea that's brewing. So follow us on the Heat Check. Please do not forget to download, subscribe. Please tell your friends, every single one of them, and follow us on social at this heat check and Trista Crick on TikTok. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.